Welcome to the Brainwave Podcast, presented by Windward Group Publishing and Media. I'm Gail Holnick, former radio show host turned novelist and travel book writer, and this is a show about creativity. Each week you'll hear interviews with people from many different creative fields, artists, designers, writers, filmmakers, chefs, architects, choreographers, composers. I'm interested in that charmed moment that leads to a work of art. Where did the idea come from? What did you do next? And what advice would you give others trying to unlock their own creative potential? Thanks for spending some time with me today. Please take a second to tap on the subscribe button on the app. And if you want the episode show notes, please go to windwardgroup.com. That's word with an O. Let's get started. This time on the show, my guest is a person from a field that you might class as sports first. And you might think of her as an athlete, but she's also an artist, and we'll be talking about the overlap between sports and art. This week in podcasting news, Apple Podcasts has announced they're going to do transcripts for every podcast episode hosted on their platform. At first, I wasn't sure what I thought about this, but after doing some reading online in Quora, in Reddit, and at some podcasting industry websites, I'm on board. People who can't hear very well or at all will now have access to the podcasts on Apple. And podcasters who have struggled with the high financial cost or the high time cost of adding a transcript are now back on a level playing field with the corporate podcasts and the celebrity podcasts. Now, in personal news, this week, I opened an online store called Blue Norther Bookstore. And that's my puppy, Mr. Dickens, singing along with the podcast. If you want to buy one or more of my fiction or nonfiction books, or books from one of the other authors I publish, David Stone, Devin Audra, and Lori LaFortune, you can buy direct from me at www.bluenorther.store. That's B-L-U-E-N-O-R-T-H-E-R dot store, S-T-O-R-E. It's not a competitor to Amazon. We don't offer fast and free shipping. But if you buy there, you're buying direct from an author. It's a move with some altruism and some support for the arts built in. And often you'll be getting a lower price than you'd find at other retailers. We'll also be doing a lot of special deals, early releases, and giveaways there. And details will come out in our free bi-weekly newsletter, which if you're not getting it, you can subscribe at www.windwardgroup.com. This week for the podcast... I'm working on a solo episode about the Grammys. I've just started the research, but so far I found out that they first gave out the music awards in 1959, and some of the first winners were Frank Sinatra, the Kingston Trio, and Ella Fitzgerald. Music is one of my favorite things, and this week of diving into the origin stories of some of the winning songs and artists of this year will be like going to the candy store. I will be watching the show on Sunday, February 4th, (laughs) Let me finish this. (laughs) Okay. Nicole Langevin, my guest today, is a gymnast, an athlete, an artist, a teacher, and a judge. Owner of Precision Choreography, she is also host and producer of the What Makes You Think 
podcast, and she consults to gymnastics teams and coaches across the country. We started our conversation by discussing the inspiration for a routine she choreographed for Olympic gymnast and former world champion, Chelsea Memel. Nicole, welcome to the Brainwave podcast, and thank you for doing this today. Oh, thanks for having me, Gail. I want to start off by asking you uh, about the experience that you had when you were choreographing for Chelsea and how it was that you came up with the routine that you ended up with. Where did the idea come from? Well, for uh, people in the gymnastics world, they hear Chelsea and they automatically know who we're talking about. But uh, for those that don't, talking about Chelsea Memel, and she was a... um, Oh gosh, she is a Olymp- I'm sorry, a world gold medalist, I believe three times over. Um yeah, all around bars and team. She was uh on the Olympic team uh 2008 and she's just one of those trailblazers in the sport. Um I was always a fan of hers. In fact, I remember being in the audience at her first world championships and just being amazed by her abilities. Um Fast forward many, many years later, and her and I became business partners, actually. Um, I brought her into an endeavor that I was doing, and I had already established myself as a choreographer on the side. And while our our business relationship was happening, she made this huge transition um, to do a comeback in gymnastics at the age of, I think she was 31, which is kind of unheard of. it, it made a lot of waves and she was just saying that she was doing it for fun, doing it for fun. And then she got really good and realized, wait a second, I think I could actually go out there and compete. So when it ta- came time for her to actually get a floor routine, um, I was very honored that she came to me first and asked if I would do it because we had a good relationship. She felt as though I understood her. She trusted me. Um, and I also had the the kid in me going, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm about to choreograph for Chelsea yeah. Memo. And I for the to- Olympics. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, potentially. She was potentially. just trying to get back on the national stage. But, yeah. So, um it was really great. I got to go back and and revisit her old choreography that a lot of people remember her by. She had a lot of signature moves and kind of pull some of that so that she could maintain those signature moves. But then also knowing that as I always watched her, I always felt as though she had a little bit more artistically to give. She just didn't have the choreography for it. And I always remember thinking, oh, I wish I could... I bet she could do this style. I bet she could do this movement. So um, I got to actually try those things out and and show her the artist that she had inside of her that she didn't realize she had. Um, so it was a really nice blending of bringing out kind of the the new version. We call it Chelsea 2.0, but also maintaining some of that, that stuff that really made her the original icon that, that she is. So um, yeah, she she got to compete it. Uh, she got herself all the way to national championships and then kind of bowed out. But man, did she make a splash. And now she is one of the three people running, essentially running USA Gymnastics uh, elite program. It's a it's a fascinating blend between and as I'm telling you something that is your life's work and your career, but as an outsider and just looking at it and and a, and a fan as I watch, but it is a fascinating blend between sport and art. Mm-hmm. It really is, and then and then the comp- the competitive aspect of it. And I was as I was preparing for this, I was thinking I'd really want to chat with Nicole about what she would say about the the similarities and differences to dance generally, because dance you come to it and I mean Swan Lake is Swan Lake. 
you know, yep. and, and the, that's the routine. And uh, certainly there are dance choreographers, but they don't start from the blank page, I don't think, nearly as often as the gymnastics choreographer. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to artistry and gymnastics, one of the, and now I like to point out solutions and not just problems. So, but I'm going to point out the, the problem first is um, there's a lot that has to be accomplished in gymnastics. Artistry is one of those things, but you also have to be strong. You have to be flexible. You have to maintain your, your body so that it is pre uh, to prevent injury as much as possible. You have to be mentally tough. You have to be, I, I mean, it, it goes on and on and on, right? And there's, you can never master all of those things. That's why gymnasts often specialize. So artistry is one part of that. Unfortunately, it is viewed as one of the easier things. So it's not taught or even brought up until it has to. And at that point, it's kind of too late. Um, and this is one of the things I speak on so often. I, I talk about how when you see a, a little gymnast that you know has potential, this strong little kid that's focused, and you see them do a forward roll, it's a little somersault. And as a coach, you look at that and you can already start seeing what that's going to look like up in the air two times in a row. You see the basic and you know that that could be developed into something, you know, way up here. But for some reason, we don't do that with artistry. Now, if we started that when they were little, started introducing them to creative movement and posture and positioning and expression and emoting at that early age, by the time they really needed it, it would be flourishing. It would be just another thing that they, they've gotten really good at. What happens in our sport is that we focus on all the other things. And then right around the time when they're about 11 or 12 on average, that's the time that they typically will go into what's called the optional levels. That's where they get to have their own choreography and they're expected to be really artistic. And if we wait until that age, we're hitting them at the age where they are just coming into that really heightened sense of, of self-consciousness, uh -huh. of looking in the mirror a little differently, kids. Too, of yeah. wanting to fit in. And at that stage, we're asking them to do something that's very vulnerable and put themselves out there. We've missed the window. We've got to do it when they're little and they don't care. Well, and, and so true. And as, as a mother of three, long since grown up, but remembering them at their four-year-old and five-year-old and six-year-old ages, it's one of the most uh, creative and exciting phases. I mean, and, and the lack of inhibition and the confidence and they, there's art. I mean, you come, you know, they bring it so that, and you're right, that by the time they were 11 or 12, that self-consciousness sticks in. And I would think also, again, you know, with gymnastics, a very specific topic we're on here, but is it as well at age four and five and six, as they're just coming to the sport as little ones, are they being encouraged to, you know, learn the routines and learn that they're almost being shaped into a narrow channel. This is how you do it. And this is where you put your hand. And this is how you make the somersault. It's it's almost the opposite of art and creativity. It's very, very specific and very regimented and very technical, which is another thing that I love about the sport and another thing that I speak upon. I, I constantly go back and forth. And you're right. There's it's the complete opposite. So where we're we're teaching them, to, you know, just these very specific positions and conditioning the body and shaping and all of that, then they're able to grow with it. With artistry, we want to start 
with no expectation, with the freedom of creative movement, with them just closing their eyes and pretending to be a tree blowing in the wind just to get them to understand how to move and and not care if it looks specifically right. There's no there's no doing it wrong when it comes to creative movement. Then when they start to be creative and be open, then we can start to hone it and shape it. Then we can start to go, okay, see how you did that with your arm? That was so cool. Just drop your shoulder a little bit. So we're kind of doing the opposite when it comes to artistry. We're starting at this just anything goes safe zone and then starting to find the direction that's going to suit them the best that essentially is going to score the best at the end of the day. I mean, that's that's what we want. Nicole Langevin owns Precision Choreography, and she brings her enthusiasm and experience with gymnastics to gyms and coaches across the country. Next time on the Brainwave Podcast, I'll be bringing you a solo episode about the origins of the Grammy Awards and the inspiration for the music and the artists who are honoured. This time, I leave you with a quote about creativity from American author and artist Austin Kleon. Draw the art you want to see, start the business you want to run, play the music you want to hear, write the books you want to read, build the products you want to use, do the work you want to see done. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and found it helpful. If you did, please mention it to a few friends or pass it along on social media and tag us if you do. And please tap the subscribe button on your podcast app and take a minute to leave a ranking or review. You might also like the backlist available at Windward Group Publishing and Media, and that's www.windwardgroup.com slash brainwavepodcast. And Windward is spelled W-I-N-D-W-O-R-D. You'll also find the show notes for today's episode there too. If you'd like to connect, you can find us on Facebook at Windward Group Publishing and Media, on Twitter at Windward Publish, and on Instagram at Windward PNM. I'm Gail Holnick. Please join us next time.